As we uh, continue to worship, I ask that you turn to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, the past couple of weeks we've uh, looked at um, these set of verses and emphasized the focus on what it means to be a people of prayer, uh, praying fueled by the gospel, praying as a community gathered together. And today we're looking at what it means to pray on mission together. Um, so as you turn to Colossians chapter 1, uh, let me pray as we continue. Uh, Christ, God, Father, Holy Spirit, we thank you uh, for this morning. I got a time that we can gather with your people as your people, uh, redeemed, rescued, uh, coming to worship uh, together to worship you. I got to thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, through whom we have forgiveness, a new identity, a new community, a new way of living God, we thank you for the gift of your word that you have inspired by your Holy Spirit. And God, now I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our minds to understand and our hearts to receive the good news, the gospel, through your word this morning. And we ask that you do this for your glory and our joy, and that the gospel of Jesus would go forth from this place to the nations. In Christ's name, amen. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's word. Friends in Christ, we do have a new identity, a new way of living. And as people of prayer, we pray not only for things or about things, but we pray through opportunities. In 2001, I was um, in Romania on a mission internship, and we worked with uh, orphan children and did a series of summer camps for them. And on the weekends, we would go into uh, this small village and attend a church. And it was a very small church, uh, probably fewer people than in this room. So when our team showed up, we, we like doubled the size of the congregation. And the service was in Romanian. And there, there were some familiar tunes with the music, even though we didn't fully understand the words. And as the pastor was preaching, we didn't fully understand uh, what he was saying. But a point came during the service uh, where as was common for that church, was a time of, of corporate prayer together. And there was a point after singing and after preaching that, that they would respond as worshipers in corporate prayer out loud. It was quite amazing. We would sit there, and for about 45 minutes, we were sitting there, and, and, and these little old Romanian ladies would pop up, and, and you know, as part of their culture, they were very expressive People And so they would stand up, these, these little ladies lifting their hands, and just sometimes it would be one sentence prayer. Other times it would be a, you know, a long prayer. Sometimes it would be weeping. Sometimes it would be laughing. And it was 
you know, Romanian people were very stoic. It wasn't wild or anything, but it was very sweet, very pure as a part of worship. And so our English speaking team, we would, we would stand up and participate. And it was just this beautiful moment where we were, we were crying out before the Lord praying. And I found out later that these little old women in this Romanian village, I mean, I didn't, didn't fully understand the language, but I found out after the church service, a Romanian friend of mine said they were, they were praying for you and for your team as you as you ministered here they were they were praying you know very passionately before the lord they weren't they weren't praying for you only they were praying praying with you as you did mission as you were serving people and proclaiming the gospel and, and caring for these children it was not just hey god bless them but they were they were coming alongside praying for empowerment as you did mission and something registered with me in that moment and this is what I want us to look at today is, is often we want to pray for something. We'll say, you know, God, I pray that you would, you know, provide this or, or do this thing for us. Or, or maybe it's, you know, we pray for health, pray for a financial situation or, or God. Sometimes we want to pray about something like, God, we pray f- about missions and, you know, Africa or whatever, something over there. But as I look at Scripture and as I was reflecting on some experience I've, I've had, you see that we're not only to pray for something or pray about something, but we're to pray pray through it. Like as, as we go about life, we are to pray as we walk out the life that God has for us, as we engage in the opportunities for mission that God lays before us. And as we've seen the past couple Sundays here, as we've looked at the same set of verses the past two weeks, and as we conclude the prayer series today, we've seen that, that um, the Apostle Paul is writing to this Christian church and is saying in verse 9, from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. There is an unceasing prayer from the Apostle Paul to this Christian church. He's not praying only for them and about them, but he's actually praying as they engage in mission. And this is what we are to do as well as believers, because he says, look, we've not ceased to pray for you. We are praying unceasingly that you may be filled with the knowledge, spiritual wisdom and understanding as to walk in a manner worthy of God, bearing fruit and good work and increasing in the knowledge of God may be strengthened. All of these things are happening ongoingly. As they are walking, they are praying. As they are bearing fruit, they are praying. As they are increasing in knowledge of God, they are praying. As God is strengthening them with his power, they are praying. As they are growing with endurance and patience and joy, giving thanks, they are praying. As God is qualifying them as saints, they are praying. And today I want us to focus on the last two verses, 13 and 14. He has delivered us. From the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There is a statement here about prayer and mission that I want us to look at today. Not not just mission, something that people do overseas, but mission as in engaging folks with the gospel of Christ, proclaiming the good news of Jesus, proclaiming freedom, proclaiming forgiveness, proclaiming love from the father. And this happens in marriage, family, church, school, work, neighborhood, wherever you are. 
And as we go about our lives doing those things, we are to pray. And as we pray, we are to walk. We are to do certain things in mission. Those two go hand in hand. If we do things without prayer, we are disconnected from what God has for us. And if we pray without actually walking out the life that God has for us, it's like praying for rain but not bringing an umbrella. Right? There's like no, there's no faith behind it. So we're going to look at two statements today. First is the fact that God in Christ has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And the second one is he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So first, let's look at this. God through Christ has delivered us from the domain of darkness. This is a huge statement. In fact, the phrase used here, if you were a first century Jewish Christian convert, this would resonate with you as a throwback to language from the book of Exodus. Right? If you're familiar with the Exodus story, I know a movie just came out with Christian Bale. He's Batman. I still, I just can't, it doesn't work for me. I'm like, hey, Bat, oh wait, I'm Batman, I'm Moses. Okay, great. So, I can't make that connection. So there's that movie, there's, there's been numerous great Films, you know, the Ten Commandments. You've seen the, you know, what was the other one? Prince of Egypt, the cartoon. You know, there's great films. If you're familiar with the Exodus story, it is a powerful, powerful series of events that God did for his people to set them free. They had been enslaved in Egypt for generations, and God comes down, frees them from bondage, frees them from enslavement through miraculous signs and care to prove that he is God, to prove that he is their father, to show Egypt that there is one true God. His name is Yahweh, and he's leading his people to a land that he had promised them. And as they go, God is providing for them. He's protecting them. As they go, other tribes that, that weren't Jewish were actually, you know, tagging along, getting grafted into God's people. Do you know that? I didn't know that. For, I mean, there's a, a time where I didn't know that. And when I learned that, I was like, well, that's pretty cool. It wasn't God didn't only save just Israel, but as they are leaving, there are other tribes that are like tagging along saying, wait, we, we want to get in on that. Hey, can we come, can we come with you? And so by the time God's people get to the promised land, there are, there are other people that are becoming part of God's people. And it's an amazing thing. And so God frees them not only for their personal freedom, not only that they would thrive as his people, but also to be a proclamation of who God is and what he's done. So there were to be a city on a hill. God's people were to live in a promise, a land promised to them, not only so that they could find true joy, that was part of it, but also that the way that they lived life would be a testament to who God is and what he's all about, that they would be a light to the nations, to those who don't know who God is. And so we look at this today. He has delivered us from a domain of darkness, just as God did that in Exodus for Israel. God does that through Christ for his people today. God frees us from being enslaved to sin, to idols, to fear, to guilt, to shame, to pride. And what, what are the things that like entangle your life and just pull you down, that, that tangle you up? I and mean, what, what is it? Is there a sin struggle that you can't shake free from? Is, is your heart inclined to love something or someone that you're not supposed to? I mean, are you 
dragging the burdens of guilt and shame from your past, maybe something that you've done and you just can't forgive yourself, maybe something horrible that's been done to you. It's not your fault, but but something happened. And you, you can't break free from that. You feel entangled in this burdensome, weighty darkness. For others of you and for us that may be the bondage of pride, saying, well, no, I've never sinned. I don't curse. Maybe it could be the pride, the sin of pride, thinking, you know, thank you, God, that I'm not like them. Thank you, God, that I always read my Bible, that I've never missed a day of church. Thank you, God, that I do the right things to please you. Pride is sinful, and we can get tangled up in that. Maybe it's fear of uh, the unknown. God, I don't know where my life is going with my job. I don't know where my life is going with marriage. Our family is distressed. Our, uh, we don't know where we're going You know, as we finish school. What's next for us? And fear entangles you. Friends, the good news in Christ, God has delivered us, delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has delivered us. You're free from that. You are no longer defined by the sins of your past. You are no longer defined by the struggles of your present. You are no longer defined by the guilt or shame that you have brought with you to this point. You're not defined by that anymore. God has delivered. It's done. It's finished. You are free. And that is good news. That freedom for you is so that you can experience great joy as his son or daughter. In Christ, you belong to God. You are an adopted son and daughter in Christ. That is good news. You can experience joy in that. You can experience joy in community together with other believers. That's why the scripture that we looked at last week says that we, we've been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. You have been declared holy. You are growing in holiness. We are growing in holiness together, and that is good news. But you know what? It's not only for personal joy. It's not only for group holiness together. It's part of it. It's partly joy, partly us growing in holiness. But it's also that we may proclaim the goodness of God who delivers his people from darkness. Did you know that? Like, you have a story to tell, you have a story to share. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a, you know, a, a singer or a musician. Wherever God has placed you, however he has wired you, you, as his child, can testify to his goodness to you. And as we do that, we are to pray unceasingly that we would do that. We would pray that God would give us opportunities to tell our story, that God would give us opportunities to to share how good he's been to us, that we would pray for those in the workplace and pray for those that we attend school with and pray for those in our neighborhood, pray for those who don't know God's goodness. And as we pray for them and pray about that opportunity, we would pray through the relationship to share the gospel with them. You with me? It's not enough. It's not, it's not truly experiencing joy and freedom to just pray about your lost friend. It's not, you you have not been truly freed. You're, You're not experiencing the freedom from darkness if you're only praying for 
that person who doesn't know Jesus, but never sharing Jesus with them. You know why? Because if you experience true freedom, true joy, you are not scared to share the good news with your lost friend that you were praying for and about. You you with me? Are we making the connection here? Because I'm not telling you to drop everything and just go start screaming about Jesus without praying. But nor do I want us just to pray. We're just going to pray that so-and-so gets saved and never, never talk to them about it, right? I want us to do both. I want us to pray, God, that you would be so great to save my non-Christian family. A lot of non-Christians in my family. I love them. But if I'm just going to pray for them and never like talk about how God in Christ has delivered me from a domain of darkness, well, you know, does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Keep, let's go. Let's keep tracking. We're, we're going. I, you know, this is a great weekend. Tomorrow is uh, a holiday where we celebrate the, the life and work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., right? And he, quoting, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. I mean, there's some biblical implications there, right? Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. You know, as God through Christ has delivered us from a domain of darkness, we have been created in his image to reflect his light to a dark world. You can't argue your friends into faith. (laughs) You cannot bully people into belief. We, We cannot combat sinister, you know, radical religious political forces. You know, when you fight fire with fire, everything burns. You know, we combat darkness with light. We combat hate with love. That happens because we have been rescued from darkness by Christ. And as image bearers, like little mirrors, we reflect light to a dark world. How do we do that? Prayer. We, we pray. We, we, we dial in to the work of the Father and reflect His light to a dark world. We reflect, reflect His love to situations full of hate. Now track with me here. So, so first we see that missional prayer is about not only praying about or praying for, but praying through mission as as you go, as you are walking worthy in a manner worthy to the Lord, as you are bearing fruit, as you are doing good works, as you are increasing, being strengthened, enduring patience, joy, thanks, all of those things, as you do them, you are praying all along the way. You're praying through that. And as God in Christ has delivered us from the domain of darkness, we reflect light to a dark world through prayer as we go. But secondly, I want us to see this. God in Christ has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This, this verse makes me weep. It's so good. We have been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Again, the sentence before had language like echoing Exodus. This sentence has language that, ex- that, that echoes the language used in the prophet Isaiah. 
Like what's cool about the Apostle Paul and so much of the New Testament is that they they, they throw back to the Old Testament, right? They're like, hey, look, you know, this isn't some new thing. This is Jesus fulfilling all of the Old Testament's expectations. Like this is part of God's grand redemptive narrative. This is not some new wacko little offshoot. The prophet Isaiah talked about Israel being redeemed from exile, being rescued from oppression, that that exile was seen as a consequence of sin and rebellion, and the only way that they could be rescued from that was for somebody, God, to send somebody to, to rescue them, to redeem them, to bring them back out of exile and gather them back together as God's rescued people. All right. Isaiah was telling of a Messiah who would come and do that. We know that to be Jesus the Christ. He came a few hundred years later. I mean, Isaiah wrote this a few hundred years before Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul writes here, hey, look, redemption means that we have been set free from the consequences, that the Messiah has come and rescued us from exile, the consequences of sin, the consequences of rebellion. We've, we've not only been set free, but we have been rescued that's what redemption means. It actually is, is language that, that means to be purchased from, from slavery. I mean, Jesus did that for us. He died. His body was broken. His blood was shed so that we would be free from the consequences, so that he would purchase us back from enslavement to set us free, to be redeemed. I mean... I, the language here is, is so amazing. Like we have been transferred. So, so we leave a kingdom of darkness that is characterized by oppression and guilt and shame and fear and pride and burden. And we've been set free from that. But we're not just set free to just go figure it out. We're set free so that we can be transferred into the kingdom of Jesus, characterized by joy and love and hope and peace and right relationship with God and each other. We have redemption which is, it's a great word. You're at Redemption Church. We named the church that for a reason. Because redemption means being purchased for freedom so that you can thrive in gospel mission. That's what redemption means. Jesus purchased you so that you could be free from your burdensome past, but not so that you can just chill, right? Like I'm not... I'm not guilty of my, you know, you don't, you don't see somebody, you don't see somebody be set free just to, just to go gallivant and ruin their life. You're set free for a purpose, for a reason. For you and I, we are kingdom citizens. We have the responsibility as ambassadors of Christ's kingdom that we now belong to, to proclaim that good news of freedom and grace and joy to reflect that, to pray, God, give us opportunities to do that. And as we do that, pray that God would bring fruition to those conversations. Here's another word that should change everything for you, because it it, it did for me. He says this, he has transferred us. Now, we often think about transfers, like I need to transfer money from this account to the other. Or I need to transfer these files to my Dropbox so I could, you know, whatever. We think about transferring intangible things as merely moving it from here to there. But, you know, the word transfer in this context means a relational positioning. 
Like, it's not just God moved you from that chair to that chair, but it's God has, in Christ, has positioned you relationally to God the Father. When you, when you were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Christ, you were transferred to have a face-to-face relationship with God. Did you know that? You were transferred, you were being positioned relationally to have a relationship with other believers. You were being transferred to this kingdom. It's like everybody's looking 900 different directions in the dark saying we don't know where we are. And Jesus rescues us to sit in a little circle so we can look at each other. You know, hey, how's it going? Some of you guys are like, where's the good news in that, Jeremy? That's the gospel? That sounds awful. It's in the Bible. But listen to this. I discovered this this week and was like, holy cow. Did you know that transfer doesn't only mean a relational positioning, but it means a positioning like like tactically. To be positioned as if you were playing a sport and you were going to position your players on a field to run a play. Or that you were going to transfer your soldiers, you're going to position them strategically for battle. Friends, being part of God's kingdom is is not just a get-out-of-hell-free card to go do whatever you want. When you are transferred from darkness to the kingdom of Jesus, you are transferred. You are positioned relationally before God. You are positioned relationally with each other, but you are positioned tactically, like strategically. Do you know that? God has placed you in your life for a reason. He didn't give you somebody else's life to live. He gave you your life to live, your network of friends, your network of relationships, your sphere of influence, your school, your work, your neighborhood. You know, it's convicting because often we think, well, I want to follow Jesus, so I got to quit quit everything and just disappear you know god positioned you tactically as an ambassador for him in a dark place where has god placed you I mean, what what's your family situation what neighborhood do you live in i look i look around this room and i i love that redemption church is made up of people from you know two states and like four counties it's not awesome i'm so excited that as we lord willing in the next few months we'll we'll move we will transfer huh um to downtown, our, our, our building, but, but we're not a downtown church. We are a regional church. There are people that live in Columbia County and over, and there's people here from Aiken. That's amazing. It's a long way, right? There's people here from Columbia County, Richmond County, city, suburbs, rural. Man, that's beautiful. I pray that God would allow that to always be the case for Redemption Church. Because if we all moved to downtown, Columbia County would become a dark place because there'd be no believers there to proclaim the gospel. Right? If we all moved out to the woods and started a little commune, downtown, the darkness would overcome downtown. We need more believers in downtown Augusta, working, playing, living. Right? Is anybody with me on that? Because some people think it's good, like, hey, let's, let's all live in the same neighborhood. You know what? You don't want to live in a neighborhood with me. You just don't. I'm still working on being a good neighbor. I got in a fight with my neighbor's dog yesterday or Friday. I was like, really? This dog, this, my neighbor's dog hates me. 
And I like my neighbor, but I don't like his dog. And so it becomes a really interesting dynamic when I'm like, I want to tell you about, get off of my foot. You know, like I like start kicking his, I don't kick his dog, but his dog, his dog like, like literally will bite me. Like just nips, nips, like breaks the skin. And I'm like, dude, I'm having a hard time loving my neighbor. But you know, once that dog disappears, <laughs> there's woods behind our house. I didn't do it. I really love dogs. I don't know what I'm talking about at this point. So we're going to talk about, so what I'm getting at, so how this comes about to prayer. The Apostle Paul says here, we have not ceased to pray for you. We are people who are unceasingly praying, but we are unceasingly praying as we go about the life that God has us to live, as we are going about walking worthy, doing good works, making disciples, those ongoing things we do, we plug in to God's plan through prayer. We pray for strength. We pray for endurance. We pray for joy. We pray for boldness. We pray through those relational opportunities. As you go to school this week or go to work this week, I pray for you that you will pray through those opportunities, that you are praying for your coworkers, but you're also relating to them, realizing that God has transferred you. He has positioned you to proclaim the gospel to that person. You have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel to people that I will never meet. I have the opportunity to meet people that you'll never meet. I mean, we, it's just how God works. But all the while we are saints together, gathered to his kingdom to reflect light to darkness and it is good news. And what I love about this, too, is like I look at this and I think, you know, the whole thing is not based on our ta- our tactics and strategery. Like we, we don't we don't. You know, we could come up with the coolest evangelism. Let's blanket the city with Bibles plan. But if we are not dialed in through prayer to what the Lord's doing, that's just a waste of paper and time and money. And let's not do that. Seriously. However. If we are dialed into what God's doing through prayer, we just pray before the Lord, please, God, strengthen us, empower us, give us joy, give us hope, give us love, give us, give us patience. I need patience with my neighbor and his dog. I don't, I want to, I want to know, I don't, I don't think he knows the Lord. You know, I, I don't think he does. And I want him to. So I'm not praying and relating to him, you know. I can't really complain if he never hears the gospel. So here's what I want us to do. As we look about what it means to be set free from bondage, what it means to be positioned into Christ's kingdom together, we've been forgiven of sin from our past. That's good news we can proclaim to people. I want us to pray. Okay, the past two Sundays, we've we've done a group exercise and we will do this today. And like I said, the past two Sundays, this isn't this isn't a gimmick. This isn't meant to be weird. If you're uncomfortable with it, just hold your breath for a few minutes. Not not for a few minutes, but just (laughs) that came out really wrong. I'm sorry. Just bear with us for a few minutes because we're not trying to do anything. This isn't a gimmick or anything weird. Two weeks ago. We had a few minutes of private prayer and reflection about the gospel, responding to the gospel. Last week, we circled our chairs for a few minutes. We huddled up and we prayed together as a community of prayer. Today, I want us to try something a little different. And I'm just trusting that God will use it. Okay, I want it to, I want it to be sincere. And um, 
I want us to pray, not not only for mission, but like pray pray through mission, if that makes sense. Like pray. I just want us to voice a prayer to God about where you are and what you're doing. Does that make sense? Like just, you know, God, I'm in this hard transition. Please use it for your glory. I want us to pray um, out loud, just just from your seat. Um, you know, if you want to pray quietly, if you're uncomfortable praying out loud, that's fine. Um, if it's one or two people popcorning prayers here and there, that's great. If there's kind of a, a mumble of prayer across the room, that's beautiful. We're going to do this just for a few minutes, and then I'll close this down in prayer. And here's what I, I want us to pray. Um, think about where you live, who your family is, where you work, where your school is. Think about people you know that don't know the Lord. Think about, um, pray, you know, it's been a prayer and conversation um, with our staff and elders that we want to pray toward uh, planting another church out of this one. We want to pray for for sending someone to plant a church somewhere, praying that we can equip them, resource them, train them, and send them to plant, whether that's you know across the river or across the world. We don't know. So I want us to pray for that. We're making steps to see that happen. We want to pray for that. Would you be so bold to pray that we could see a hundred salvations this year? You know, pray for that. And we could pray toward that because I guarantee you there relationally, we could all make a list of over a hundred people. We know that don't know the Lord. <laughs> I mean, just combined through your workplace, your school, your family, whatever, so why don't we together right now, like voice a prayer that God would save a hundred. We'd see a hundred people saved through our relationships this year. And we'll do that. How about this? We have connections uh, m- through missions in Uganda. Pastor James at the medical clinic that we have a relationship with. We have some, some guys going that way soon. You'll hear more about that. Sojourn Church is an X-29 church in Kampala that we have a connection with. You want to pray for those guys? And see what God will do. We want to pray uh, for our friends in the Middle East, right? Our, our church members here that live there facing great hardship. Friends in South Korea, just as the Lord leads. So what, what I'll do, well, I'll start us in prayer. And I'll close this in a few minutes. And I'll just we'll just see what happens, how God leads you to pray, okay? I just encourage you to voice a prayer out loud. Um, God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your goodness to your people throughout generations. God, I thank you uh, that you are a God who rescues for your glory and for our joy, and also that you would position us to proclaim the gospel, gospel, to reflect light to dark places, to proclaim that you forgive sins, that you heal the sick, that you care for the poor, that you hear the cries of your people. Now, Lord, I pray that as we voice prayers aloud together as your people, God, I pray that you would hear our prayers, that you would uh, save hundreds. God, that you would let us see a church planted, that you would uh, thrive uh, the ministry of our friends in Uganda in South Korea, and in the Middle East. And God, now I pray that you would stir up our hearts and minds as people of prayer. God, hear our prayer as we ask.
Father God, I thank you that you do hear our prayers. And Lord, I pray that you would continually stir us up to pray things that are in line with uh, who you are and what you're doing in the world. And I pray that you would stir up our prayers to be in line with who we are, who you've made us to be, who you've redeemed us to be, where you've placed us uh, to live and walk out our lives in faith and in gospel proclamation. Lord, I pray for my friends and family here at Redemption Church, Lord, that you would indeed fill us with knowledge of your will, spiritual wisdom and understanding. God, that we would walk in a manner worthy, fully pleasing to you. God, that we would bear fruit in every good work, that we would increase in the knowledge of God. God, that you would strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might for endurance, patience, with joy. God, that we would give thanks to you for who you are and what you've done for your people, seeing that we have been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. God, thank you that you have delivered your people through Christ from the domain of darkness. God, that you've transferred us to the kingdom of your son, Jesus. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. God, I pray that you do amazing things in our lives, through our lives, through church planting, through the salvation of souls, through the restoration of marriage and friendships and families. Uh, God, that the gospel would ripple out. I pray that every man, woman, and child in the Augusta area would come to know the name of Jesus. I pray that that would happen in Kampala. I pray that that would happen in uh, the parts of Uganda where we have friends and a medical team. I pray that that would happen in the parts of the Middle East. I pray that that would happen in Busan, South Korea. And God, I pray amazing things would happen for the glory of your name, the joy of your people, and for the gospel of Jesus, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.